Well, everybody, welcome to the Young Life Podcast. So glad to have you back. Episode 7. And today we are joined by... Introduce yourself, boys. Hey, I'm Ben. Uh, I study biblical theology at Tyndale University. I love to play the bass. What's up? All about that bass. What's going on? My name's Shaking Jake Stanley. (laughs) Um, I work at Life 100. Got three. And yeah, that's what I do. The suspense is killing me with that. I think he froze in there. It's like, I work at Life 103. Oh, did it? All right, go for it, Aiden. Go for it. My name my name's Aiden. I'm a Vanguard College online student, and I also host the TYL small group on Sunday nights. Woo-hoo. That's miles better than... My name's Aiden. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so good to be with you guys. Glad to have you guys with us, as always honored that you'd spend your monday night with us it's just so good to have you tonight we are talking about content and the media and the content that we take in and so here's uh, i've compiled the list of the top 10 movies and tv shows that were streamed in 2020 and i want to see if you guys uh can guess I'll, let's go with the top five i'll list off from 10 to f- 10 to 6 and i'll see if you guys can guess and we'll do tv shows first we'll do movies Second, the crazy thing about this list is that it was the value to the nearest millionth. And so the amount of minutes watched is like unbelievable. Okay, number 10 is The Crown coming in at 16,275,000,000 minutes watched. Did anybody watch The ever watch the Crown? Are you guys the crown watchers? This seems like the crowd. Actually, Ben, you look like you've seen the crown. I I was waiting for that. But you're probably the best dressed for watching the crown. (laughs) Yeah. I watched watched the first season. I haven't kept up, though. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Once Claire Foy left, it was all downhill from there. Number nine, uh, Shameless. I've never seen Shameless. You guys ever seen Shameless? I don't think I've ever seen an episode. That was number nine at 18 billion minutes, roughly watched. Both those are on Netflix. Uh, Number eight was Lucifer. Lucifer is also on Netflix. You guys guys ever seen that show? No. Good Christian boys. Right answer. That came in at 18,975,000,000 views. Okay, everybody, just if you're joining us again, look, I have to tell you, we had to cut and pause because I actually could not believe how many minutes i was telling you that these shows have been watched i thought it was maybe too unrealistic to be 18 billion 975 million look we only need to go outside for a walk because those are accurate accurate numbers that is in say number six or number sorry sorry number eight loose for 18 billion 975 million of course that one's on netflix uh number seven is uh how do you know where that one is scott you watched it (laughs) I have it here where all these shows are from. Uh, mm-hmm. Netflix is cleaning up. Let's just put it that way. Uh, number seven is Supernatural. Supernatural came in at 20,336,000,000 minutes watched. That one's on Netflix. And number six, the Canadian uh, show. Who wants to guess number six is? It's a Canadian show. Number oh, six. Shit's Creek. Creek. Uh, whoa, whoa, Aiden, what the heck? I have to bleep that. It comes Yo, in. Vanguard's at kicking you out. Two, <laughs> uh, 23,785,000,000. That one's on Netflix. Okay. Top five shows of 2020. I want you to try and make, take your guess. Maybe that's too high. Maybe we'll do top three just to make it easier because I want you to give me the, three t- the top three shows that you think uh, were watched in 2020. Number five was NCIS. 
a lot of dads sitting down and watching NCIS yep. last year at 28 billion minutes watched. Number four was Ozark. That show looks like a Breaking Bad ripoff. Yeah, I've really never does. even like I've never even even thought to click on it because there's not enough Brian Cranston. Okay, top three most realistic. I want you to guess. Say, see if you can guess what are the top three shows watched in 2020. And my hint is none of them are original content. None of them were first released in 2020. Go. Friends, The Office, and Game of Thrones. Friends, The Office, and Game of Thrones. All right, Jake. Um, yeah, I'd say yeah, I'd go with Friends too. Um Vikings and Ooh. Sons of Anarchy. Oh, he's going for that nighttime TV vibe. All right, Aiden, top three shows. I would, I would also go with Friends in the Office, and but I'd go with Breaking Bad too, maybe. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. okay. You guys guessed one of them. <laughs> so the top three shows of 2020 by minutes streamed all of these are on netflix amazon prime didn't get any disney plus didn't get any uh not even mandalorian which if you have not watched mandalorian it's a crying shame it's not on this list but number three was criminal minds at 13 mm. at 35 billion minutes watched number i two, was gonna say criminal minds and second guessed myself criminal minds i haven't watched criminal minds in like years yeah like i didn't even know they were still making criminal Minds. maybe they're not maybe it's just really popular still to watch yeah. number two uh is a medical show uh your girlfriend and chase uh, godmere probably watch mm. it comes in at gray's anatomy at 39 billion 405 million and the number one show the absolute number one show of 2020, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, The Office at of course. 50, 57 billion, 127. Number two smokes. slot is 39 billion. The Office comes in at 57 billion minutes watch on Man. Netflix. Insane. Okay. God, how many of those hours were you? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think there's a lot of it that people were cramming, probably cramming it, thinking it was co- like for it was coming off Netflix. Mm. Like it's still on Netflix That's in like, Canada. Yeah. But yeah. I think a lot of people probably uh, like rushed along. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll run through these top ten movies really quick, and we're just gonna go with the top three again. Number ten was Utopia. Number four was Toy Story Four, most streamed movie. Number eight was Aladdin. Number seven was Spencer Confidential on Netflix. Number six was the musical Hamilton. Number five was Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. Number four was Onward. And see if you can guess the three most streamed movies of 2020. What you think they might be. If you can even name a movie that came out in 2020. Tenet, maybe? Tenet came out in 2020. It's pretty big. It doesn't have to have come out in 2020. I'm just oh, saying it's the, it's the, the most, most streamed, streamed movies oh, right. of 2020. The most streamed. Well, it wasn't even streamed. It was that was a theatrical release. Um, I would say let the list of the fact that most of these were kids movies get be a hint. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like uh, every single movie on here except for two of them uh, so far have been uh Disney Plus. Right. Mm-hmm. And two of I, them are okay. Netflix. The Lion King. Oh, hot take. 
Come on, classic, classic mm. Disney movie. Oh, I thought you were talking about the new one. The new one's terrible. Anyway, yeah, okay. No. Yo, well, the new one's just bad. I'm just throwing it out there. Okay, The Lion King. Ben, what, what's next? Um, I don't know, all Disney ones. Uh, let's go Finding Nemo. Oh. And uh, Toy Story 1. Oh, the OG. Look at this guy with the originals. Ah. Jake, what about you? Top three. Movies uh, of 2020 streamed. Well, for one, I might sneeze here, so hold on. Um, but <laughs> I felt it coming, but we're good. We're clear. Um, so yeah, I'd say, yeah, Toy Story one, um, throw in like Wreck-It Ralph maybe. Oh, um, and cars one. Oh, all right. Aiden, bring us home. Um, I'm going to guess one of the star. Well, now that Disney owns Star Wars, maybe oh. one of the Star Wars movies. Oh, that's see, that's true. I forgot. IQ way of thinking about this aiden go for it yeah Keep going with this maybe train of thought maybe like Endgame. Endgame might oh. be one. Oh, and maybe like uh maybe like a disney another princess movie or something like that i'm not another sure princess movie okay well none of you got any of them it okay. number three was <laughs> secret life of pets two oh, number wow. number what? two was moana uh, and the number one movie, the number one movie of 2020 was. Oh! <laughs> Anyways, uh... you know what I'm talking. <laughs> frozen two. It was Frozen two. In case frozen anybody, two. no one knew what that was. But that was beautiful, Scott. Yeah, thank you. you. Right, peace out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, it still makes me think of the TikTok. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I've always wanted to try it, but I've been at home too long all year. No one probably remember except for Aiden. Okay, that is a lot of content watched. Even just The Office at almost 60 billion minutes and Frozen 2, 15 billion minutes of Frozen 2. Content is all of the place. And that's kind of what we're talking about tonight. Man, as you and I as believers, we engage with content pretty much all day, every day. One of the stats we're going to talk about in our Young Life download uh, coming up is that on average, your average North American spends 7.8 hours a day engage with some sort of content and media. And probably you've only increased your content usage over the last year as there hasn't really been much else to do. So I want to know uh, from our cast, what is your go-to form of content? Uh, whether it's books, movies, TV show, podcasts, video games, YouTube, whatever. And what's your favorite thing right now? Go. Yeah, for me, uh, video games, I've played through The Last of Us 2, like every single difficulty. <laughs> um, I it's a great game. And so like video games, um, yeah, podcasts, um, I'll watch sermons on YouTube, like Michael Todd, uh, whoever, Judah Smith, Chad Beach, whoever, um, and movies. I think nothing too out of the ordinary, but sweet. Jump in. Yeah. Look at this man. Look at this man saying sermons. Yeah. All right, simmer down. Okay. Listen. <laughs> Not all of us can be as holy as Jake. Okay. <laughs> you literally go to Bible college, so I don't think you can say anything. <laughs> you you put it in your introduction. You can't. <laughs> what have you guys been watching? What's your What's your go to thing? I've been watching The Walking Dead. I've been rewatching mm. that. I've been uh, watching. Is that show uh, still on? Uh, I think so. I don't know. I'm just watching like what's on 10. Netflix from the from mm. the start. But yeah, I think they're on like season ten on TV. 
Um, I've been playing a lot of video games, uh, a lot of Call of Duty. Um, and yeah, I'll listen to the odd podcast here and there. Um, I started listening to Ask NT Write Anything. And That's a great one. Yeah, it's, he's great a really smart guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of the most uh, renowned Bible scholars of our time, and he's a pretty smart guy. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. Great. <laughs> awesome. What about you, Ben? Uh, it's usually books, movies, or TV. Um, most of my books are just school ones. And then for TV, I'll watch like, I did. I just rewatched Infinity War and uh, mm. Endgame, or yep. I'm, I'm watching all the Star Trek right now through again. So oh, like all the way through. Level. Yeah. Look, this might be a, maybe it's not a hot take, but Star Wars is overrated and Marvel's 10 times better. That's my hot take. I'm just throwing Ooh. it out there. Star Wars okay, is hold on, hold overrated. On. Overrated. Hold on. No stakes. Hold on. Every time they get themselves into a problem, they just start waving their hand and they move things with magically with the force. There's no repercussions for anything ever happening. And at least Marvel's funny. Instead of having friends that all these space wizards are going to bring along this big important story. Endgame is like a 23 movie buildup. Like, you can't yes, tell okay. me Star Wars even comes close to that. Okay, hold on, hold on. If we are talking about Star Wars in, like, the original six movies, I will argue with you. No, if we you, have you to can't do that. The new you, ones, can't then choose, can't. you can't pick and choose what's good no. and what's not. That's okay, but the new Star Wars movies are trash. They are bad. Yeah, it's because Star Wars is trash. That's the reason. Except for Mandalorian. I, but other, I other will than come that, over to your house. I know where you live. <laughs> The point is, we've all probably been engaging with too much content to have too many hot takes about why Star Wars is bad and Marvel's amazing. But, uh, you know, as believers, everything should be subject to our faith rather than us be subject to it. And that's what we're talking about tonight. When it comes to our content, it comes to the medium we engage with. You know, it it's saying something to our lives. It's speaking something over us. Everything that's created and crafted or news stories or Instagram posts or Facebook or TV shows or movies... You know, they all have something they're trying to get across. They're all something that they're saying. So the question for us is to say, well, what is it saying and is it beneficial for me? And that's one of the biggest challenges I'd find I find as a modern believer, unless we're going to turn off all the lights, throw all of our devices in a drawer, and go live in a shed somewhere, you know, we have to learn how to engage with culture culture and content responsibly if we're going to continue to thrive in our faith and still be a part of the world that we find ourselves in. And so today we have Pastor Mark Caldwell coming to join us talking about the most significant voices that should be in our life and what happens when maybe we lose touch with what's the loudest in different seasons of our life. We're also talking about the content that we take in. Our Young Life Download's coming up right now. Why don't you check it out? Star Wars sucks. You know, in today's day and age, there seems like there's a never-ending stream of content. There is simultaneously everything to watch and nothing to watch all at the same time. You know, to keep myself from just endlessly scrolling the Netflix menu or Amazon Prime or whatever you watch, you know, I have to pick a series. Like, my wife and I are watching all through the MCU movies right now, and, and we're watching uh, Superstore as our TV show. So if we want to watch something, there's no discussion. We just go to the show that has been pre-planned and picked because otherwise, we're probably not watching anything that night at all. You know, the reality is there's just too much to engage with. There's just too much stuff. 
And more than any other generation before us, we're inundated with more books, uh, TV shows, movies, podcasts, advertising, really any other form of content than ever before. And we need to understand that that has an impact on us. You know, YouTube alone, a billion hours of YouTube watched every single day. Craziness. And there's 720,000 hours uploaded new every single day. Maybe you're a TV and movies person. Netflix puts out and currently offers 32,600 hours hours of content for you. That's three and three quarters of a year of constant, never stopping content coming through Netflix for you right now. Don't worry, you won't run out because you're probably gonna add even more in the next four years before you're finished watching all the stuff available now. Maybe you're a movie, or maybe you're a music person. Spotify alone has 50 million songs available on it. You know, if we go with an average of three minutes per song, that's a ton of music. That's about 285 years worth of music, give or take a few ads, if you chose to pay for uh, premium Spotify or whether you're just going to grin and bear it. You know, and we haven't even touched TikTok or Facebook or Instagram or sports, if you're a sports person, uh, or network TV. If you're uh, that Chip and Joanna Gaines, you got to get your HGTV and that Food Network going. You know, there's just so much to engage with. The average North American spends 7.8 hours a day engaged with some form of media and content. Whether that's radio, TV, streaming, gaming, magazines, newspapers, books, social media, internet, or music, needless to say, it has taken up a huge and meaningful part of our modern day life. And as a byproduct, the modern day Christian. As someone who's trying to follow Jesus, many of us engage for hours and hours and hours, uh, just like everybody else, in content and media, especially in 2020. You've probably increased the amount that you've watched, read, listened to in 2020 rather than decreased the amount. You know, it's just craziness. And so before we get too far ahead, you know, what I want to talk about tonight, it's not about disengaging. It's not about running from it. It's not about not uh, participating in uh, culture and content and all things out there. It's just about doing it wisely. It's just about doing it like many things in our life with a degree of intentionality. You know, my mom always used to tell me, Scott, you're going to be the result of the five loudest voices you allow to speak into your life. And you know, as Mikhail and I are expecting our first kid, it could be happening right now. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe it doesn't. Anyway, uh, you know, a standard and an amendment that I would make to that right now is my child's going to be the result of the four loudest voices and the content they choose to engage with. And I would actually suggest that if people are, are averaging almost eight hours of content in media a day, that is taking a pretty prominent seat and voice in your life. And so what is it saying? Because it's definitely saying something. What is it saying about you? Because it's definitely speaking to your value. It's definitely shaping our worldview. And you know, as followers of Jesus, we want to make sure that Jesus is the first and foremost to have the loudest voice in shaping who we are, how we understand the world, and the way that we proceed and live our lives. Philippians 4, written by the Apostle Paul. I think he gives us two really simple things that you and I can take as we begin to navigate and manage the content and the storm of all the things available to us. And it's in Philippians 4. We're going to read it together. It says, Don't worry about anything, but instead... Pray about absolutely everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. And then you're going to experience God's peace, which exceeds all understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. 
Think about things that are excellent and they're worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me. Keep doing those things, and then you will know that the God of peace will be with you. You know, I think the Apostle Paul gives us two really clear directives here, really two clear steps. I'm a steps person. I want to understand, am I doing it right? Am I doing it well? And I think Paul gives that to us. You know, here's my question as we kind of move forward. With all the content that we've brought in uh, and maybe engaged with in 2020, did it leave you feeling better or worse? Did it leave you feeling fulfilled or maybe a little restless? Did it leave you feeling better about yourself or maybe a little bit worse about yourself? You know, one thing that Paul's talking about in this passage is the peace of God. And you know, a big part of the life of a believer should be knowing, understanding, and experiencing the peace of God, which Paul says here exceeds all understanding. It goes beyond our circumstance. It goes beyond our understanding of the world, but it's actually something that we receive and we adopt as we choose to give things over to Jesus. And you know, if you're anything like myself, the moments that I engage and maybe run to the content and the media in my life, it's usually as a result of needing a bit of a distraction. Maybe you had a bad day at work, your girlfriend broke up with you, you lost your job. It's just the stress and the pressure of all the things going on maybe got to you. Man, I'm just going to throw on a stupid show, Dink and Flicka. I don't know, it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, we run two things. And I think what Paul's establishing, establishing here in the first passage is if we want to know God's peace, we need to make sure that we don't worry about anything, not because there's nothing to worry about, but because we can go to Jesus about everything. We can go to him about everything in our life. You know, he should really be the first and the loudest voice. So how do we engage with the new voice in our life of content? First and foremost, man, deal with the need to distract by first giving it to Jesus and first establishing him as the loudest voice in mine and yours life. It helps posture us for a place to be intentional and use wisdom in how we engage in content and media in our life. You know, when I'm not in the best frame of mind or dealing with stress in maybe some unhealthy ways, that's usually when I pick up a tub of ice cream on my way home from work. Probably not the best health decision. And yet, in the same way, some of the most unhealthy decisions we make about the content we watch and the media we consume usually come from places where we just need a distraction. We just need to get away from it. Maybe our standards have fallen a little bit. You know what? I don't care right now. It doesn't matter. Just throw it on. I'm going to watch this, and it's going to be whatever it's going to be. And you know what Paul's saying is, hey, be intentional and make Jesus the first, the foremost, and the loudest voice so that we don't need to worry. And when we choose to engage with content, culture, and media, it's from a place of health and from a place of wanting to, not needing to. First and foremost, need with the need, uh, deal with the need to distract. Secondly, and probably most importantly, discern, discern, discern. You know, I'll say it three times just so it gets right into our brains. Discern, discern, discern. You know, discernment is a gift of the Spirit, but it's also a muscle and a practice that we can strengthen and we can grow. What is discernment? You know, it's good judgment. It's a sensitivity, whether something is good for us or bad for us, whether it's godly or whether it's ungodly, whether it points us towards Jesus or whether it points us away from Jesus. You know, uh, the Spirit will speak discernment to us, but we can also nurture it and we can grow it ourselves by choosing to practice it in moments when we can. Paul gives us this metric and this guidepost to understand. Uh, I think they're incredibly practical for the modern believer. This is what he says. Fix our thoughts, and I would say apply this to the things that are speaking into our life. Fix our thoughts on what is true. Hey, is what I'm watching true? 
in a world of fake news and confirmation bias and all the things going on, hey, is what you're taking in actually true? It's on you and it's on me to do the research to understand how accurate is what I'm seeing and being told uh, in the scope of the world. You know, that's on me and you. You can't rely on any one uh, news source or whatever. You need to be intentional about knowing what is true. Just like we're intentional about knowing what's true in our faith and with other people that speak into our life, it goes the same for our content. Secondly, what is honorable? Does it speak of character goodness? Does it build people up or is it always tearing people down? Number three, is it right? Is it righteous? Does it speak to righteousness and, and wholeness? Is it pure? This one's really simple. Is it clean? Does it have clean motives? Is it subverting its intentions and trying to sell you one thing while doing a separate thing? Is it clean? Is it pure? Is it lovely and admirable? In the original Greek, this is really one word, and all it means is, does it speak life and victory? Does it speak to the good things and the what could be? Does it speak of, of uh, things that build us up instead of tear us down? Does it speak to what the world could be rather than what it's not? And lastly, it says, think about things that are excellent, they're virtuous and have a moral standard, and things that are worthy of praise. That's a pretty challenging list, to be honest. Like, that's a hard list to read and see. You go, is there really anything left that I can engage with? You know, the reality is, is that you and I need to personally, uh, we need to seek the Lord on what we choose to engage with. Forget the things that are going to come our way. Just the things that we go to on a regular basis. Hey, uh, are they true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Admirable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? You know, because if it's going to be speaking into my life, I want to make sure that I'm intentional. The same way that you'd be intentional about a person who would speak into your life would be intentional with the content. You know, mentors in my life and people that I listen to and look up to, you know, I, I'm pretty uh, careful to make sure that what they're saying is true. What they're saying is honoring to myself or someone else or whatever it might be. That it's righteous, that it's something pure. They're not trying to say one thing but mean another and, and lead me astray. That they're loving, that they're someone that I can admire, that they're someone who uh, exudes excellence in areas of their life, and someone who I think at least is worthy of praise. And if culture, content, and media is going to have such a loud voice in our lives, you know, we better make sure that that voice is something that we can trust, or at least something that we're aware of when it's saying things that aren't true, things that maybe distract us from things that Jesus would have for our life. Would we ingest culture, media, and all of those things with intentionality? The same way we are intentional, maybe we vet some toxic people in our life. Hey, would you vet some toxic content in your life and push it away, and not just let it, give it free lane to free range to speak? and say whatever it wants over your life. I know they're just simple things, but as we continue, you think there's going to be less content? In our lives, there's only going to be more. You know, as followers of Jesus, as we engage with culture, we want to make sure that we do it in a reasonable, a responsible, and intentional way to know that, hey, we're subject to what we put into our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. It has influence, and it has power. And so will we be protective of what God's given us so we can stay consistent in what he's calling us to? Would we, A, deal with the need to distract? Would content, media, and the culture of the world be something we get to engage with when we want to rather than engage with when we need to? Would Jesus be the first and loudest voice in my life and your life? And secondly, would we discern, 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 
Is it speaking from a place that has a standard in our life? Are we being sensitive to the things that maybe are leading us towards Jesus or maybe leading us away from Jesus? Well, we have Pastor Mark Caldwell coming uh, and sharing with us in our interview. You know, he is somebody who uh, has modeled in my life and uh, pastors and leaders' lives all around Canada having the right voices in your life. And so I'm really excited for him to share. Why don't you check it out right now? Well, everybody, today we are joined by Pastor Mark Caldwell, who you might recognize. He was the youth director here in Western Ontario uh, uh, for many, many, many years, probably your entire high school career, even if you're 25, 27, 28. Like he's, he's, been, he's the GOAT, been around forever. And uh, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit what you're doing right now? Hey, Scott, so good to be with you. Um, I just, I'm thinking even now of memories of of collisions with Barry Youth Ministries and all that kind of stuff. It's so cool. Um, right now, I'm in Maple Ridge, British Columbia. Uh, I work for a church called Christian Life Assembly. I carry a bunch of hats. One of them is the campus pastor for the Maple Ridge campus. Um, and then I work for the leadership team of the church overall, doing some leadership pipeline stuff, some, uh, vocation, some apprenticing work with vocational ministry students and overseeing most of their next-gen staff, like uh, youth, young adults, et cetera. And so it's kind of like a hybrid portfolio. It's kind of a crazy life. And then Jenny's here too, doing all the family ministries for all their campuses. So yeah, it's, it's hard being a trophy husband. That's what I've discovered. It's just a, oh, it's a weight and a mantle. Just got to oh my gosh. You. <laughs> I know she's ridiculous. Everybody loves Jenny and everybody works for Jenny. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark's ministry has been marked by making sure you have the right voices in your life, whether he was training youth pastors here in Western Ontario, even as he's doing it now, working with all the next-gen leaders and people training up, uh, young adults, junior high students, all, all the way across. Uh, we wanted to talk to Mark because he's been someone who's championed having the right voices and the mm -hmm. right people in your life to help us navigate becoming more like Jesus. Like, and, and, So today we're talking about, we talked about our Young Life Download, the segment right before this, uh, you know, the content that we take in and the media that we engage with, a little bit of Wendy mm -hmm. Burton wisdom in my life was uh, pay attention to the five loudest voices in your life, Scott. It's probably who you're going to emulate and become. Uh, but That's my addendum way. to that in 2021 would be that the media and the content that we take in has taken over that fifth chair or even maybe the fourth and fifth chair, depending on uh, how much we consume. And in 2020, our consumption's probably only gone up. <laughs> yeah, you know, stay absolutely. at stay at home orders probably didn't mean less TV and screen time. It probably meant more. So sometimes there's good things about that. Like I love the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. I never get a chance to hear from him ever. So right. it's not necessarily the medium, but it is the intentionality. And so <clears throat> Mark is somebody who has been about being intentional, having the right voices around us. What is it about the loudest voice that always leads us to default to them rather than a voice that sometimes we're intentional to listen to? No, it's, these are great questions. When you gave, I appreciate you giving to me in advance a little bit. The first thing I thought of when I was thinking about voices is um, the quality of the voices that you allow into your life. You tend to believe whatever voice you allow in. So if it's a low quality, a shallow quality, a shallow influence, they actually bring with them a shallow representation of what truth is. Mm. And so the loudest voices in your life are actually fairly shallow. Um, you know, TikTok or something like that. <laughs> How many young adults are there? I hope not too many. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're secretly there. If you ask you know, them, they'll say no, but they're there before they go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the secret pleasure of 
pastors' wives. Anyway, whatever. So, <laughs> and youth pastors, like they're they're getting their TikTok on. So the uh, so, but anyway, I was just thinking about you know if that's a shallow value system they represent, the if if that is the loudest voice in your life, then you're actually accelerating a shallow product in your own existence. And so if you want to live in a depth of pursuit of what God has for you, you actually have to change the loudest voices in your life. And, and, and so like, let's say if I'm, if I'm really living for self and I don't want to know about it, I will not challenge the voices in my life. Yeah. Like I won't, I'll actually look for people who affirm my self-obsession so if I want to be just left alone in the basement playing video games, all the rest for my entire 20s, I'll just allow those voices permission to speak to me. Or we do the pseudo speaking too, I think in Christianity, it's like, oh, because I listened to the podcast, now I can go live for myself in my basement. Because yeah. we, <laughs> I heard it. I just wasn't listening to it or, or like receiving it really. Yeah. There's a massive difference between hearing and application. And so <laughs> in our culture, I think, we equate being present somewhere as being transformed, but it's not true. Yeah, that's good. And so the culture of our lives is not shaped by the words we say that are important to us. It's, it's actually shaped by our obsessions. You know, I was thinking about like, if the loudest voices in my life are shallow, it'll affirm my obsession with shallow pursuits. And you can say that, for instance, human trafficking is really important for you, but if you've never lifted a finger or wrote a letter, or given some money or time to actually change a cause, you're in a sense just a liar. <laughs> well, it's shallow. Or it's uh, perceived, uh, like you feel like you've done something. Jason talked about this when he talked about cancel culture a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My anger and upsetness equates to doing something about it. 100%. But practically, are we actually doing something about it? And no. you know, the average North American, as of right now, spends about 7.8 hours a day on average with some kind of content, whether it's radio or newspaper or the internet or social media. In any of those realms, movies, TV, it's about 7.8 hours a day, and that's just North America. So it, it's definitely going to be the loudest, and it's not getting any quieter. I think no. that's the key to go, it's not going to get any quieter. So unless we're going to sell everything we own and turn off every screen we have, Right. Uh, we have to be, um, we have to begin to exercise discernment in how we engage with it. You know, I, I don't think we can disengage from it. No. In the culture, it's not an option to disengage. Whereas I think in years past, uh, that has been maybe the, the stance of believers. Well, push it away. And I think at this point in our life, at least in our generation's day and age, there's no pushing it away anymore. It's been such a huge part of who we are. And so how can yeah. we do it in a way that's God honoring then? How can we engage in a way that would still exemplify Christ in our life? Well, you know, it's so funny when you said like the old response to church was pushed away. I actually believe that was a flawed response as well. Um, the, when we isolated and insulated from culture, we actually lost our voice there. Yeah. So we have now in our response, we've actually responded to a different voice. So now our voice is more, the voice of culture have more impact on the Western church than we, we want to admit or know. And so therefore we have less influence on changing culture because we're shaped by it instead of influencing. However, um, I actually believe there's like an unbelievable uh, resource sitting in our pews of creativity and demand for justice and the capacity to bring change. I, I was thinking about, um, you know, how you turn the tide and, in terms of who influences you, who shapes your culture. And Jesus 
obviously said it best in John 15, he said, remain in me and you will bear much fruit. And, and then he also said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And, uh, and in a shallow Christian world, we think obedience, we think 10 commandments, but what he was actually talking about is communion with him and obedience yeah. to the spirit. I want to leverage the gifts on your life. If you'll let me be the loudest voice in your life. And if I'm the loudest voice in your life, then what's lying dormant in our pews in apathy or narcissism or self-indulgent or entitlement is actually waiting to be released by God in our lives. If we will bring our lives into proximity with him. Yeah. And when I, I said earlier, I'm like, your obsessions actually reveal your culture. Every life has a culture and that culture is shaped by the things we allow to influence us, which includes voices. If you want the culture in your life to be actually deep, then you actually have to accelerate a depth to your culture. And so, and the best way that Jesus says is like, you need to be in proximity to me. In proximity to me, I'll remind you of some things you need to hear. Uh, I was thinking about like, sometimes we avoid the deep voices because there's always like a profound accountability attached to them. Yeah. And, right. and that's a big part of it. Like uh, yeah. even, if, even in Philippians, reason Philippians four, six to nine is kind of a framework. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that he says is don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Right. And, and I think the reminder is really, okay, the loudest voice should be Jesus, but also as a part of that comes the formation that you're talking about. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, it can't be uh, co- content is something to run to when we need to get away. And right. I don't know about you, whether it's eating poorly or watching something that is maybe bored. Like it normally comes when I'm at the end of my rope and I'm like, I just don't care. I don't care anymore. I just need to get away. I need to escape, get my mind off it. And yet following Jesus, I think it commands more intentionality from our hearts and our minds to say, Absolutely. if I'm going to stay st- uh, strong and steady in my faith, uh, I-, I can't be the person who is just running to my vices every time life gets hard. And I think Jesus is the solution given, even in Philippians, as he lays it out, first and foremost, if we're not dealing with the need to distract in our life, yeah. then you're going to listen to every voice, 100%. Any, any voice that's entertaining yeah. or any voice that is captivating. So <laughs> it's so true. Like the, the most, and like, sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're for a season and you get over it. Like I find I kind of get into modes where maybe it is TikTok where I'll go on a rampage of watching through stuff, but, but like on a deep seated, really spirit forming level, sometimes yeah. those things grab a hold. And so how can people begin to develop a sensitivity uh, in their life? Let's say they go, Mark, I hear you. I want to allow I want the best voices. I want to be able to discern what the voices are actually saying. And that's the reality is co- like content and culture is saying something. Are we aware of what the real message is? Are we aware, aware of the real implications of that message? Right. And uh, is the spirit in us, is the spirit of God in us helping us discern? Are we open to that? How, how can people begin to develop a sensitivity? They go, yeah, I hear you. I want to be more intentional. Uh, I don't want to be distracted by my content. I want to be engaged like you're talking about. How can people develop that sensitivity? Well, I feel like the first thing you do is you start with being convinced that it's a possibility. When Paul says, don't be anxious, that's a nice command. Oh, don't be anxious. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll just stop being anxious. But it never works that way because almost always anxiety starts as a symptom before it becomes a massive condition. Yeah. So it becomes a symptom of an unresolved, of, of a way of thinking. It becomes a symptom that's a byproduct of the things that actually take us captive in our hearts and our heads. Now, it can then turn into a debilitating condition. But... Even if you, if you treat that condition, you probably still have underlying causes for it. 
So if you really want to stop being anxious, he says, you need to get to me. My voice needs to become loud. And, and so what I mean about make the assumption is this, make the assumption when Jesus opens his mouth, he's actually saying, I'm going to put you, I'm going to invest in you the best resource in the universe, which is my person, my presence, my Holy spirit. And then Paul camps on Romans chapter 12. And he says, don't conform anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's what happens when I renew my mind. I actually start seeing God differently. I begin to see myself differently and I begin to see my future and my, and my circumstance differently. Because in his presence, I'm reminded of truth. Some of these core promises of Jesus, we just treat sometimes as wishful thinking, like, oh, like he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm like, yes, actually, freedom. (laughs) If you're jealous of somebody's freedom, it's because their brain, their heart, and their soul is camping in places you haven't accessed. But you can. You can access it because I'm going to send the person the Holy Spirit. His names are Counselor. That means he speaks. His names are comforter. That means he surrounds. His name is advocate. That means he goes in front of you, behind you. Like we have the greatest asset in the universe who wants to be a profound voice. And so you need to be there. The other thing I think, okay, you cultivate relationship with God. I think you start demanding your personal relationships get deeper. Instead of just settling, you know, for hangs with your, your bro crew or whatever, or your ladies, you actually say, let's, investigate the promises of God together because um, there, God wants to use other profound voices. Like he wants to use shepherds, leaders, and, and mutual accountability in our life to actually push us. It seems in a, in a culture where we've changed the definition of what it means to be a real follower of Jesus, that we can always find people who will water down the definition and go there with us. And yeah, so that's you very true. Yeah. And you surround yourself with like-minded voices. You feel pretty good about yourself, but then what if you get into this place where God says, uh, if you make space for me and make pay- space for people who call the best out of you, there's a chance to become the best version of yourself instead of strangled by anxiety. Yeah. And, and like you're saying, the, the people we surround ourselves with, the challenge we made in the download was, hey, have, hold the content and the culture that we engage with to the same standard as the voices we'd love to speak into our life. But yeah. I think you're making a good point that maybe we don't even have a standard for that. And if we don't well, have a standard for so that, it's, it's hard to then apply that to other voices in our life. You know, like in Philippians, it goes, whatever's true, honorable, lovely, beautiful. He gives us a framework. And I think a big part of that is choosing to adopt it. Like you're saying that we set a, set a personal standard. Hey, this person is maybe a great friend, but do I want them to be the loudest influential voice in my life? If they're not very honoring, they're not loving, they're not uh, righteous and pure in what they say. And, and maybe that's a recalibrating of, of what we're willing to listen to really. And, and I found that that's only gotten harder uh, mm-hmm. in this last year as a lot of people have maybe found a voice that they didn't have. And right. like you're saying, like-minded people have found each other. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in that pocket of people who all think the same way you are, it's really hard to try and challenge your own, even myself, try and challenge my own way of thinking and exactly. break that to say, God, objectively, I need your truth. I need your truth. And I need to believe the best, even if it conflicts with how I feel about it. Yeah. And you know, it, that's perfect for me. Like, we sometimes don't want to do the work that freedom requires. So we do the work that slavery requires. So the Bible says you're a slave to something. You're a slave to shallowness. You're a slave to death. 
You're a slave to sin. You're a slave to holiness. You're a slave to a life without purpose. You're a slave to a life on purpose. You choose your freight. Your your you choose your slavery. And in a sense, freedom is the same thing. It's a choice. And so he says, by the truth, you'll be set free. Is Jesus' words? He's like, but you have to engage. You have to activate. You have to give it permission. You have to challenge your friends to give it permission too. Uh, for some people, like leverage the time that we have in this season where everything is a little bit slower to say, hey, let's go on a journey together of allowing the depth of God's voice to penetrate our spirits. Let's see if there's more for us. Let's see yeah. if our life is tied to more than just uh, pretending to be angry about causes online and do something in our community that changes somebody's life. Let's let's investigate the word. Let's let's move this. Let's move the ball down the field in our own life. I, like I, I'm, you know me, and you know you're not surprised by the content in my life. But I also have this deep hope in terms of like if people reach towards depth, they'll discover it. If they reach towards the God, they'll discover Him. If they if they camp on truth, it'll become so loud it will change the DNA of their life. Because it changes who they think uh, who they think they are in God and who they think God is, and ultimately, like anxiety makes us stare at our circumstances and tell all kinds of false stories. And then, but if you stare at God, you can retell the story framed around truth He speaks over your life. And imagine doing that in the company of your friends, right? Instead of all your conversations being relegated to the shallowest common denominator, they actually are now challenged by depth. Yeah, I think, I think you know me and my you know, addiction to discipleship and mentoring. Um, it is moving people into a depth of relationship that actually causes us to allow them entrance into our life in such a way they get to speak to the mess. And in so much of the Western church, we avoid the mess of, of closeness because we want to avoid the mess of accountability. Yeah. The problem is we're forfeiting our best, the best version of our life and we're forfeiting the best version of God in us. So we, we sacrifice on the altar of a, of a lack of accountability, the depth of potential God has for us, which is to me, like just the saddest thing ever. Well, and even as you're saying, <clears throat> when we've lost our voice in culture, we're being formed actually by culture, even in church life. Uh, I think the voice of culture is that <laughs> when you screw up, you're done. Yeah. That's the voice of culture. And unfortunately yeah. that voice has made its way whether true or not, into the church and how people feel. So as yeah. you're saying, okay, well, the proximity to see into my mess and I can see your mess and we can walk together in accountability and discover more. Uh, that is a, we got to break through our own cultural bias of, I'm not going to cancel you because you're as broken as I am. Right. I'm well, not going, I'm not going to really do good. away with you because you're just as broken as I am. <laughs> you haven't seen it and I haven't seen yours, but we're just as broken as each other. And, and I think that that is worth defending in terms of. 100%. Oh, I love that, Scott. Yeah, if we could give each other permission to be flawed and still move forward totally. in Christ, we'd be in a better place. And being, admitting to being flawed isn't commiserating our condition. It's actually, <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of times that's where society goes to, right? Like, I just want to label whether it's negative or not. No, no. In the presence of the Spirit, Admitting our flawedness is permission to go to grace and be challenged by a better voice to become more and more like Christ so we can reveal Christ to the world. We lose our voice in culture because we are too similar to it. Mm. You know, the more and more similar we get to, the less liberation we can offer the culture around us. Because we settle for a version of truth that they're living by, so we also settle for a version of freedom they're living by. But if we... Yeah, and so if we settle, yeah, sorry. If we, <laughs> no, it's good. It's great. 
if we strive for a level of freedom that Christ divides, we can actually offer that. But until we get to him being the center of our lives and the, and the central voice in our life, then we just dumb down the freedom that we have to offer. So the church isn't seen as somebody as an alternative. And, I, and you know, we live in a very, it seems lately, especially a, church, a society that's very aggressively against church. But in some ways, I think the pandemic is actually preparing us for a move of God. I think, I think the foundations that people have built their life on, individualism, um, mm-hmm. self-importancy, collecting as much stuff as they can, I think those things are crumbling in a season. It's like, oh, actually, I, I'm dying for community. And if the church can provide authentic community, has a chance to move, to see a move of God again. Totally. But it does begin with individuals actually letting God be the central voice in their life. Like, it literally, it starts with that. And holistically. Like, I think a big part of what you're saying is like, okay, but if you, you need to deal with all the things that are binding, like you say the prayer at the altar and yes, there is freedom, but there is a, it's a process. It's a, it's a Mm re-cleaning. So you can get six months into your walk with Jesus and be like, well, yeah, I remember the beginning of this process, but I haven't really given my entire life over to that freedom that you're talking about. And so then we compromise in our faith and blame our faith for the bondage we still have left ourselves in. And I, I think that's a big part. I will say uh, coming through youth ministry, even as a young adult myself, uh, kind of becoming blind to it. I think opening our ears to have a sensitive sensitivity to the gospel, almost in a fresh way, the way that a new believer would um, right. to say, no, there's a real freedom. And like you're saying, do we actually believe that what God's saying is what he's saying? It's not just like, it might be a gimmick, but it's a gimmick for a reason. And it started with power and truth somewhere. And so would we see past the familiarity to actually hear the, the power in what scripture says for us and the freedom that it offers us to go right. beyond our own apathy to say, well, I do enough to keep up with my faith, but to actually experience what you're talking about, this true freedom and reclaiming our voice really to speak back yeah. against the loudest voices in our life. It's so good. Like the process thing is, is huge for me. Um, you know, especially in charismatic circles, we've been guilty of a reactivity to the things of God instead of a being processed by them. So we have these acute moments of transformation, but without a backup plan with the process along the way, then we always are in need for another reaction moment, another encounter with God. And so as a youth pastor, my, my pursuit of, of wanting people to go deeper, I was always very intentional about creating process. So they weren't they weren't going to stay in this area where they could be tossed around by the world because they were actually growing in God. If, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I can't identify a consistent process where I'm found in the presence of God, where his voice is the number one prayer in the life. They're, they're literally vulnerable to every wind of doctrine, every nuance of culture, every flex of trend. They will react hard, but probably live poorly. Mm. And so, and so, you know, our emotional response to the world around us is actually telling in terms of where we are found foundationally hearing voices of which ones dominate our life. And again, it's like, we just have to be honest with things we're obsessed about. Like, it's not the things that we scream the loudest about. It's the things we spend our, our actions, our time and our money on. That's, that's what we're obsessed about. Um, Stop telling me you're obsessed with Jesus when you can't identify a moment of service in your life. Like you're not, you're not <laughs> obsessed with Jesus. You can't even, 
like step up and like pass an offering plate down an aisle. And that would be the <laughs> lowest common denominator of serving Jesus. <laughs> but you don't have time to do that once a month. And you're telling me you're obsessed with Jesus. You're not obsessed with Jesus. You're obsessed with fire protection, maybe. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I haven't asked yeah. anybody else this. So you're actually my first one. Okay. Uh, what would you say to your younger self? What piece of advice would you give to someone in the stage of life uh, who's tuning in today? Well, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, gen the generations now, I watch my own kids who are young adults. I, I see them being buffeted and battered by the influence of culture around them and, and by, you know, sometimes their father who's in that job. So, so I would say pursue wholeness in the presence of God as much as possible because the more whole you are, the more apt you are to believe the promise God speaks to your life, and the more apt you are to grab a hold of what God is asking you to do. If you ignore your blind spots and your brokenness and the shame you walk in or the arrogance, you will literally predetermine the path of your life because your life isn't a product of fate or kismet. It's a product of 50,000 small decisions in a good direction or a bad direction. Where we live in right now, where I'm at right now, is a product of tens of thousands of small decisions and a few big ones along the way. So stop believing the one life culture that you're somehow encapsulated by fate or kismet. It's just so bogus. The Word of God says we reap what we sow. And a thousand decisions in the right direction towards pursuing wholeness will actually reap a harvest. And so I, it's turbulent as a young adult. I feel like unbelievably sorry for them like to be raised in such a time as this in some ways so blessed but in fact in some ways so over blessed and so then you got a battle like the culture is constantly telling you to self-indulge but i would tell you constantly to get in god and find holistic change yeah and and it's a season of life where people are making it what feels like some of the biggest core setting decisions of their entire life Math they feel like they know the least, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, I feel like I don't, I, I feel like I'd know more than I used to, but to the scope and scale of what we're talking about, how am I supposed to chart out? I don't know. Like who are you going to spend your life with? What are you going to do with your days? Right. Like uh, anyway, it's craziness. Well, well the, you, the anxiety that promotes that, you know, you're uh, in the vortex of like, Oh, what if I make the wrong decision? Well, the only reason I think you can be confident in making the, the right decision is if, if you do the spiritual thing. You find yourself in the presence of God and allow him to morph you and speak to you. At least if you do the right thing, the right way, you have that amount of confidence in your decision. Well, I remember in moments feeling anxious about God, what are you going to have me to do? What is the best thing to do? <laughs> feeling right. like every decision was this Jonah moment that I'm going to get swallowed up if I get it wrong. <laughs> um, a wise man once said, your capacity in life will be determined by your healing. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is, 100%. hey, when we draw close to the voice and the presence of God and we're healed by him, these 50,000 small decisions in the right direction, God is more orchestrating our life than we give him credit for when we choose to lean into that voice. And if there's a misstep along the way, uh, it's a return to that voice first that helps correct somewhere along those little tiny points all the way along. And I think there's a security in that. And I think it comes back to what you're saying is having faith to say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. And I may not see you in every single tiny little decision I make, but I do trust that your hand is 
uh, in my life and over my life, directing me and guiding me as I try to stay consistent. Well, Pastor Mark, you're the best. So good. So glad you're with us and uh, moved heaven and earth to be able to be with us. And we're thankful for that. And uh, if you want to follow him, you can check him out on Instagram. What's your Instagram, Mark? Is it still YV Caldwell? <laughs> holding on. Probably, He's holding I mean, on. <laughs> I'm just too lazy to change anything. Yeah, it's fine. Follow that YD Caldwell. See all the stuff that's going on at Maple Ridge CLA. Uh, so good to have you with us. And for everybody else, back to the cast. Well, huge thank you to Pastor Mark Caldwell for coming and joining us all the way from British Columbia. Glad to have you with us. Uh, you know, as we're headed into March uh, and restrictions have lightened up, we're going to be heading back into in-person Young Life. Uh, we are going to be back in the summit. And to be honest with you, the reason we're probably delayed, we could probably do it as of this week, um, March 1st, the episode that this is airing. Uh, the reason we have an online episode this week, in full honesty, is really because I wasn't sure when our baby was going to be arriving. And so by March 8th, uh, Monday night, 7 p.m., we're going to be back in the summit at the Young Life. Why don't you join us? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we're going to be kind of talking about what this future of this, po- not at Young Life, but we're going to kind of be talking about what the future of the Young Life podcast can look like and maybe how we can tweak some things to keep it going alongside uh, doing Young Life in person. But do not miss out on the chance to be together again uh, on March the 8th. It would be amazing. Well, our question of the week is this. What is your go-to form of content? Coming through quarantine and all things that 2020 had, and even our, our second lockdown uh, in 2021 here, what was your go-to thing? Are you a movies person, a video game, books, podcast, TV, YouTube, whatever it might be? And what has been the thing that you have gone to the most going through lockdown? Maybe it is The Office, apparently. Uh, for a lot of people, it must have been the office. Uh, we want to hear from you. What was your go-to content of the week? And other than that, we'll see you March 8th at 7 p.m. at the Young Life in person. That's it for us now. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week.